0: Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 27 on page 10. The covenant of circumcision. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or brought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh Will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, And all those born in his household or brought with his money, every male in his household and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or brought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him.
1: Father, we do thank you. That you are a God who uh, who does hear our cries and sees our pain, but a God who uh, has made promises to us as well, a God who um, calls us to live by promise and to uh, to to know Your Word, to know You, and to live uh, to, to to live a life that is going to be full of um, of purpose and uh, joy and security, because you are a God who has made these everlasting covenants with us, especially in Christ. And so we pray, Lord, as we hear now from um, this this passage, this interesting passage about uh, circumcision you'll help us to, to get a grip, like, to get an idea of uh, why that is relevant to us today as we live in now in 2022 as Christians, as, as the church, as Providence, uh, and, and we'll live um, uh, in light of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, there's a website called Ancestry.com. Have you guys heard of it? Who's heard of it? Yeah, it's, it's very popular. It's always played during daytime television, um, but it's a thing, isn't it? Ancestry.com. People pay money to find out about their family tree and I don't really know, but how far it goes back? I think. Has anyone actually used ancestry.com? I'm. Oh, you can tell me about it later. I'm really curious now. Um, but you find out, right? If it, like you, you're how far you go back, if you're a pure blood or a mud blood, there are those things, right? So you, you find those things out. Some people really care about their heritage. They care about their ancestry. Uh, I'm curious to know. Uh, you know, how many of you don't care? Because <laughs> I, I know I. I don't really. Um, I don't really think about where I come from. Uh, There's a guy in our church, his name's Andy, he's not with us, I hope he's listening, but he keeps claiming that he's 116th Chinese. I've yet to meet this Chinese great-grandmother to prove it, but honestly, do we really know and care? Do we really know who our great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers are? What they did? How they lived? What kind of personality they had? I I never thought about that. I mean, for some of us here, we can get a hint, can't we? I mean... You know, if your last name is Smith, perhaps you know your your ancestor was a blacksmith at some point. Baker, they baked bread. Taylor, maybe they made clothes at one point. We can get an idea, at least, of their occupation. For others in our, uh, others in other cultures, perhaps your name goes back to to royalty, kings, queens, even a location, a village, maybe that your ancestors once lived in. I heard apparently that Aussies, they can trace their, if they can trace their heritage back to the convicts, it's a badge of honor. I don't know if someone told me that. I don't get it. But for me, my last name is Tai, right? Tai, T A I. In Chinese, it just means wear, like wear clothes. I don't know where it came from. Uh, Heidi's, Heidi, my wife, her maiden name is Wong or Huang. In Chinese, it means yellow. It's a very popular surname in China and Taiwan. 35 million people apparently have that surname, heaps of Koreans and Vietnamese also. It stems back to the ancient dynasties, apparently. At some point, someone liked the name, the word, the colour, <laughs> yellow. But here's the thing. No matter what ethnic, cultural heritage you're from, how much, your ancestors, what, how much you know about your ancestors, what they were like, how much does it really matter? How much does it really matter to you today? Does it doesn't matter that they were once a baker, a blacksmith or a, from a small town village. Are you called to be a blacksmith, a tailor, or a baker? That's what they did. They had to stay in that occupation. It mattered back then, but for, I'm guessing most of us here, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I look around the room, and it's interesting, isn't it? We're all here, and we're all from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different names, different ancestry, gathered here each Sunday as part of what we call church. It should make us wonder, what are our roots? Why are we here? What is our ancestry? What what builds us to be a family? We call ourselves a church family. What is the heritage of the church? Why does it matter? You see, while you might be able to say uh, your family once upon a time was blacksmiths or bakers, the Bible this morning tells us that we as the church, the spiritual family, the people of God, it began once with a promise, a promise that has every bit of relevance to us today. But before we get into it, let's get some context, right, As, as we've been away for From Genesis for a couple of weeks now. Let's uh, remember what what we're up to. Uh, I'm just going to go back to chapter 12. That's where we started in our series, 12 to 22. Uh, uh, You might remember that uh, our main character is Abram. God has come to Abram and he's made a promise. In Genesis 12, uh, he said this, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God made this covenant, a promise to Abram, of a place that he'll inherit, a people, his offspring, and blessings. People, place, blessings. And that promise or covenant, as we've learned in this series, is being echoed and repeated again in this chapter that we just read, chapter 17. Let's get into that now. So, Follow along with me in your Bible so you know where I'm going. 17 verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Verse 3, Abram fell face down and God said to him, The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Now, there seems to be a lot of reput- repetition there, right, going on with certain words. Nations nations repeated three times. Descendants three times. God is uh, emphasizing something for us here as he dialogues with Abraham. God makes these covenant promises. They will come to pass. He will make Abram a father of many nations. Abram, it means the name means father already. Abram means father. But now it's Abraham because it means father of many, a father of a multitude. That's why it's very specific that his name gets changed because he's going to be a father of many. Uh, we all know a name so far in this series, we know a name uh, means so much in ancient cultures. God specifically wants Abram to be known as Abraham. Sarai also, later on, we discover her name gets changed to Sarah. It means princess. She'll be the mother of nations. But what stands out? What stands out in that part of the reading? What we see is God refining and revealing the magnitude and enormity of his promises to Abraham. We just read in chapter 12, he'll make Abraham into a great nation. In chapters 13 and 15 that we uh, covered There's a covenant of how God will make Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars. We read that in chapter 15. Sounds like a lot of descendants, doesn't it? In the last chapter 16, we heard about how uh, Abram took his wife's handmaiden, Hagar, to be a surrogate, and she bore the child Ishmael. But God is saying, no, not just one nation, a multitude of nations. Kings will be descended from you. It's not just one. And not only that, it will be an everlasting, forever covenant to Abram and his descendants, that God will be their God. They will be his people. The promise he makes it is so significant. If we are to be the people of God, this is where it starts, with this promise. I will establish my covenant, this agreement with you and your descendants. I will be their God. We are the people of promise, aren't we? But what God asked of Abraham next is interesting. To recognize and identify these people of promise, he gives them an outward sign to mark them. What is that sign? Circumcision. Let's read about it. Verse 9. Then God said to Abram, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, if you're reading that and you don't know what circumcision means, it's, let's be adults, it's the cutting off of the foreskin of the penis, right? Now, if there are teens in the room and you don't know what that, you can talk to your parents later. But (laughs) now... This isn't a new thing in ancient cultures. Uh, Circumcision happened. Uh, The Egyptians would circumcise boys at the coming of age, Arabs as well, into manhood. That's when they got circumcised. It was a thing. But here God requires circumcision, verse 11, to be practiced as a sign of the covenant between me and you. That's what he says. Now think about this. And for, for, for babies of eight days old. Now think about this. Abraham hasn't really had to do anything. Up to this point, right? We've looked at chapter 12, Up to now we're at chapter 17. Abram hasn't had to do much. In, in, in chapter 15, uh, we're told he trusted God, and that made him righteous. He had faith in God. But this whole time, Abram hasn't made any moves. God has been making all the moves. In, fe- in chapter 15, in fact, we read about how there was a bloody covenant that was made, You know, the animals that were torn in two, and God walked through them, God made the moves. So far, he's been taken care of, hasn't he? And, and protecting Abraham and initiating with Abraham this covenant. But now he's asking Abraham, do this as a sign of the covenant. Now, signs are important, aren't they? Road signs, give us direction, safety, and warning. Peace signs, means you're friendly. The middle finger, <laughs> uh, that means you're not friendly. Uh, heart signs, right? Heart signs, means for the ones you love. Uh, Toilet doors, you need signs to indicate who can, who can enter. Signs are pointing us to something, right? Now, think about covenant signs, signs that are attached to, to promises. I mean, the easiest example is, is the, the wedding ring. When you enter into a marriage, you're making a covenant promise with another person. You know, I wear a ring on my fourth finger to point to that covenant. Now, I could take it off, I could take it off. Uh, Am I now unmarried, though, if I do? Of course not. My my love and covenant to my wife isn't limited to wearing a ring or not, but it's a sign. It's a sign of it. It doesn't matter to an extent extent because it's meaningful. In the same way, if if I were to remove it and and go out to the clubs and, and on the prowl for women or something, it'd be a sign, wouldn't it, that says, I'm not taking my marriage covenant seriously, wouldn't it? that my love would be shallow, my promises are empty. Now, you see, what I'm trying to say is this. What does the sign of circumcision represent? God's promises for his people, that he will be their God and they will be his people. You're entering into that covenant where you want to be his people, and this, uh, this is a sign to point to that, that he is your God. Abraham, right? This sign is, 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 a, is really a picture of God's goodness and his grace, his initiative, because so far God has been initiating everything with Abraham. He did nothing. He did nothing to qualify him for this position. He wasn't special. He didn't come from some royalty or privilege. God just chose him and chose to bless him with these promises. The only qualification so far is that Abraham has put his faith and trust in God. And so circumcision for Abraham and the people of God in the Old Testament was that outward sign of that inner reality. The inner reality is that God has made Abraham's descendants his people, blessed from the line of promise, and now live by faith. This is the sign. It represents I'm part of the covenant people. And I, in faith, have covenanted myself and my family to God by participating in it. Now, I don't know if you're asking this, but I am. Why circumcision? Why why the male genitals? It sounds painful. It sounds bloody I don't think I could do it to my sons or family members. And imagine receiving it back then, oh, how sterile is the equipment back in 2000 BC? <laughs> but also I imagine, you know, 99-year-old geriatric Abraham with a scalpel in his hand. Hold still, Mikey, hold still. You don't want to see me fight an old man. But <laughs> you, you, seriously though, right, why? i take a tattoo any day of the week, pierce my nose, pierce my lip, my belly button even. Brand me with a hot iron. Why does God ask his people to get circumcised? I think God is very intentional. He's very intentional with why circumcising males was the sign he chose. Let me give you three quick reasons. First one, think about the context. What is the promise about? It's about descendants. It's about offspring, multiplication, many nations. How do you have offspring? Yes, that's right. God chooses to circumcise the male reproductive organ that he'll bless with Abraham's line and offspring. Abraham carries that sign around to remind him of that. But two, circumcision is bloody. I spoke about the bloody sacrifice in chapter 15 a few weeks back. Blood plays a role in the story of redemption. It pays for sins, have righteousness. Blood is shed. Here God requires Abraham to spill blood which I believe is a snapshot, a preview to his future offspring that will shed blood for the righteousness of God's people. But three, I think it functions as a warning. God mentions it in verse 15 that those who are uncircumcised will be cut off. I think there's a pun there, right? The uncircumcised ones will be cut off. That's what circumcision is, the act of cutting off, right? And God will cut off his people who don't obey or walk before him faithfully. See, what we discover, sadly, as we trace God's people through the Old Testament, the circumcised people, they do disobey God. They do forsake the covenant. Even though they're circumcised, they're cut off from God. Yet God calls them still. This is the first sign. Get circumcised. So for the men in the room, are you ready? Josh and Sam, they're doctors. They have scalpels ready, I think. (laughs) I'm joshing, but can I, let's, let's, I can think of one more reason as well. Circumcision of the flesh was an external marker. It set God's people apart from the other nations, and it was also pointing to what God required of the internal as well. See, a heart that was circumcised. A heart that was circumcised for God was a heart set apart for God in worship of him. It was an external marker of an inner reality. We have references later in the Bible that talk about this. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says this. I've got it on the screen, I think. In Jeremiah 4.4, it says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. God's priority was a spiritual circumcision of the heart. Jeremiah 4.4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. You men of Judah, people of Jerusalem, all my wrath will break out. You go to the New Testament, Paul picks up this very idea. Paul the Apostle of Jesus. He says uh, in what do I go? Romans 2, a, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor a circumcision merely outward and physical, nor a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Isn't that what God wanted of Abraham from the start? A heart of faith? Of trust and love for God set apart for him he says to walk blameless and and faithfully that's how the chapter began God always 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 intended and desired a circumcised heart and circumcision of the flesh was designed just to be a sign that points to God's faithfulness to to him and his people and to us and the transformed heart that desires and seeks to love God that's a sign of the inner reality see the, the descendants, Israel, right, Or the Old Testament, Israel, they were descendants of Abraham in the line of Isaac, as we hear later in chapter uh, 17, uh, the child promised to Sarah. The practice still continues to this day. Jewish people still get, as far as I know, still get circumcised. But does that make you, does that alone make you God's people? Because the reality is, in the Old Testament, much of Israel's history was marked with disobedience and unfaithfulness. There are instances throughout the scriptures where god's people were cut off cut off from being god's people even though they had that external identity marker yet there was one wasn't there there was one in abraham's line of descendants the line of isaac the line of promise who came he did walk faithfully he was perfectly obedient he did have a circumcised heart his name was jesus a true Israelite. jesus came to be the fulfillment of god's covenant promises he embodied what God wanted of his people, to walk faithfully and be blameless. Of course he was, because he was God in the flesh himself, who for the Jews and Gentiles like you and I, he shed his blood to bring us into a relationship with God, to make us God's people. And do you see that? It's through Christ, through faith in him, which brings us to this moment in history where we can say we are people of God. We are a family, not through our ethnic background or the name of our ancestors, But through the faith in Christ that unites us. Paul, the apostle of Jesus, wrote about it. Right? In Galatians 3 26, in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. And verse 29 if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, descendants, and heirs according to the promise. Abraham was saved and brought into relation with God, not because of his circumcision, but because of his faith in God's grace. Even uh, Peter the Apostle, I don't have it on the screen, but Acts 15, you can read it later, uh, Peter uh, argued for this. It's a very issue addressed before the council in Acts 15, where Jewish people wanted Gentiles to get circumcised. And Peter's saying, no, you don't have, Gentiles don't have to get circumcised. Because it's about faith that saves us. But here's the best part. Abraham did become a father to many nations, didn't he? Yes, his son Ishmael, but his son Isaac had many sons. They both had many sons and tribes and nations that came about. But Paul shows us more than that. Not just physical, that d- those descendants, Abraham became a spiritual father to many nations. In, uh, in, the, in the next verse, I got it, uh, where's it from? On the screen. Romans, that's right, Romans 4, 16. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, Israel, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, many nations. You know, that's why you can look around the world. There's, there's so many people representing many nations, even here at Providence. Through the faith that Abraham had in God's promises and the faith we have in the promise to us, in our Messiah Jesus, we of different cultural backgrounds, languages, many nations, have been grafted into God's people. Abraham truly is the father of many. But let me add one more note about our heritage. Let me add one more note, what makes us uh, who we are today. You see, while 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 I'd say most of us here aren't circumcised, it's not so much the circumcision of the flesh, is it? It is the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision is still necessary. Paul writes it in Colossians 2. Circumcision of the heart is still necessary. Verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Generally, most of us, as Christians, for the Christians in the room, would say, I've been saved by Christ. But how often have you ever said, I've been circumcised by Christ? Sounds a bit off, doesn't it? The gospel, the good news of Jesus is that because of our sin, we deserve to be cut off from God. We have forsaken him. We have rejected him. We do not acknowledge him for who he is in our lives. That's what sin is, and that's what sin does. There's a relational breakdown we have from a heart that is dead and cold towards God. We deserve relationally to be cut off from God. Just like any situation where I wronged someone, if I wronged my wife or wronged a friend, they would, should cut me off. That's the penalty. Our sin, my sin, your sin, means we get cut off from God. But understand the gravity of the gospel understand the gravity of our sin. You know, I mean, getting cut off? I mean, that means we're getting cut off from God, the one, you know, the source of love and joy and security and peace. That's where that's found. We're cut off from that. The penalty for sin has been we're cut off from the God uh, of the universe, but the good news, the gravity of the gospel, is that through Jesus, we, we get what we don't deserve. When Jesus goes to the cross for us and we put our faith and trust in him, he takes our sin and he becomes for me and for you and for, for, and for all of us, he becomes sin for us. He takes on our disobedience, our wretchedness, and our wickedness. He becomes an abomination before God. He takes the penalty for sin. What he's doing is, is he's experiencing the curse, really, of the covenant given to Abraham. He's the one who's cut off for us. Christ's circumcision, that's his circumcision but what is the result? It means for you and I, we get to become God's people. And that's why we read in Colossians 2 that it says we were circumcised by Christ. It means our old selves, our sin has been cut off so that now we are a new people, set apart as God's people. Circumcised by Christ effectively means we've been transformed by Christ to be a new people. Hearts no longer living for desiring sin, but desiring and worshipping God in relationship with him. Next time someone asks you what does it mean to be a Christian, it means you've been circumcised by Christ. You know, it's it's interesting, isn't it, what the gospel tells us. Our salvation, our new identity, it's not done by human effort. Our salvation, it, we can't claim any uh, glory for ourselves. It's not done by human hands. You know, interestingly, Abraham says, I'm not even, you know, At the end, he's like, I'm 99 years old, and my missus, she's 90. Use Ishmael. We already have a son. Use Ishmael. But God wants Abraham to trust him. Ishmael was born out of human effort. God wants Abraham to trust him. The covenant promises won't come through human effort, but by his his miraculous divine power. God will do the work. He will fulfill his promises, even though there's this 90-year-old barren woman, Sarah. But God will be the provider. God will be the promise keeper. And that's why physical circumcision isn't our story. It's not going to be by human hands or effort that make us God's people. Physical circumcision doesn't need to be our identity marker because the blood was spilled by Jesus. The bloody sign has been replaced by a bloodless sign because the bloody sacrifice was given to atone for our sins. Colossians 2 said it, our baptism is now our new covenant sign, the external sign of an inner reality. The inner reality is that we've been made a covenant people through the circumcision of Christ. You see, the promise here that God makes is for us too. Chapter 17, verse 7, to Abraham, he makes that beautiful promise. It echoes even into our generation. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Friends, through faith, we share in that promise. We have that assurance, God will be our God. Now, if that's true, what does that mean for you and I today as God's people? It can't just be the external marks of religion, right? Coming to church, praying, getting baptized, participating in the Lord's Supper, serving serving the church, telling people about Jesus. Yes, all good things that mark us as Christians, all good things that God asks of us, all good identity markers and signs that point us as God's people. But we could do all of that. We can say all the right things, give the lip service to God, make the sacrifice, be busy for God, but deep down still have a dead and cold heart. What does God require of us? Just those external marks? We need to ask ourselves, where do those external marks flow from? It flows from within. They must flow from a heart transformed, a heart of faith and trust in him. Only then, if our hearts are circumcised and transformed, only then will our words be genuine and our actions authentic. We've got a quote from uh, Tim Keller, the pastor in the U.S. He talks about what a circumcised heart looks like. He says, A circumcised heart is when what you ought to do and what you most want to do is the same thing. Through the lens of the Christian, that means we ought to obey God and glorify his name above our own. And what you most want to do is obey God and glorify his name above your own. And when those align, that's what a transformed, circumcised heart of faith and trust in him looks like. I've said this before, it's when you realize you don't have to live for Jesus, you get to live for Jesus. You get to, in your joy and your delight, live for your risen King. I don't know what area of your life right now you might be struggling to obey God with today. You might be holding on to sin. You're holding on to your plans and ambitions. You're holding on to your lifestyle that you're scared to let go, and you don't want want God to have reign over those areas. If I can encourage you today, what have you got to lose? Hand it to God in faith. He is God. You're safe in his hands. You've been promised this everlasting covenant. He will be your God. He'll be the one who will make everything right and good for those who know him and his love. You see, when we can see that we're descendants of Abraham as children of faith, it makes the gospel we believe in so much more more grand and precious, doesn't it? When we trace our heritage back to Abraham, his faith, even his circumcision, it tells us the story of a God who is faithful to his covenant promises. The circumcision wasn't about how good Abraham was. It was a sign to point how good God was and is. Our faith in God, our baptism even, through the waters, it's a sign of how good our God is. A God who created us, made a covenant with us, and brought us into his family to be his people. We can be called sons and daughters Receive blessing, the highest privilege to call God Father. Like, we get to call God Father? What? Like, the God of the universe? On a day like Father's Day, how good is this message to remember that? We, we, we're sons and daughters of the Father in heaven. We can run to him. We can know there's safety and security in his hands, that he's trustworthy. Why? Because he's made an everlasting covenant with us. With the people here at providence as well he's fulfilled his promises to abraham and he'll bring it about and even more what he's promised to us in christ if you believe that about jesus and for yourself what will that transformed part of faith look like stepping out of faith living by promise what will that mean for you no one is asking you to get circumcised but will you get baptized perhaps Will you go out and make disciples? Will you invite others into this family as well? Will you daily put off sin, repent, turn to God in obedience and trust? A heart transformed knows the majesty and glory of our God. A heart that loves to love God and love others. Does your heart belong to Christ? Is it circumcised? It might be a struggle. You might not be there yet. You don't know where to start. God gives us his spirit, he says to be our guide and helper. Pray to God. Ask him, what, ask him to give you and show you what this circumcised heart means. Transform it so that what we ought to do is what we most want to do. The deeper you know your heritage and this good covenant that God of the Bible, from the God of the Bible, the greater your love and worship of him. See, while many of us don't go around sharing about our heritage, background, our ancestors, Many of us don't know about whether we're from royalty or we have convicts as ancestors whatever, or don't even care. This spiritual heritage, it actually matters, doesn't it? It's worth sharing. Because when we share where we come from and who we are as the people of God, we have the privilege to invite others too into this family. The invitation is for them too to come in faith, that they too can be part of this church, part of the church family, God's people, and to know the great story of Jesus and the good covenant God that fulfills his promises. Let's pray. Father, circumcise our hearts. Renew us, purify us, make us clean. Help us to live lives of faith and trust in you because you, God, are a good God. God who is faithful, gracious, a God who invites the nations to be your people, to be part of your family. Thank you that we can be known as your church and that you've made in Christ an everlasting covenant with us by grace through faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.